to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, everybody. It's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm grateful for your support. This week's episode features Allison Engstrom. She is the editor-in-chief of Rose and Ivy. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Rochelle Weitzner. She is the founder of Pause While Aging. I hope you enjoy the shows. I am so excited to be sitting here with Allison Engstrom. She is the Rose and Ivy Journal Editor-in-Chief. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you so much. Did I pronounce your last name right? Engstrom. Engstrom. Did yeah. you good? Engstrom. It's very Swedish. <laughs> oh, say it your way. Engstrom. It's, it's, that's my, not my maiden name, so it's my married name. It's a newly acquired. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm I want so to let be here. people know how we met each other. So through one of my clients, she said, oh, do you know Allison? I think you guys should get to know each other. Yeah, and I'm surprised we had never crossed paths before. But maybe we did, we just didn't know it. Maybe. The stars weren't aligned yet <laughs> then. <laughs> so I want to start off with one of my favorite questions to ask, which is how are you going to spend your day today? Today, um, well, I'm prepping for a shoot tomorrow, so I'm going to be going in, going to some showrooms and doing some fashion polls. So all day long, not all day long. I'm going to be doing that, and then I just got back from Peru, and I have about 900 photos to go through, and I have a deadline. So it's going to be fun. I'm excited to kind of relive that trip because it was so life changing. Oh, tell us about it. Oh my goodness! I, so I've wanted to go to Peru since like I was 15, and back then I wasn't a photographer. But once I started you know, being a photographer, that was like one of my top places to go for photography. And we, I was in Cusco. So we went to the Sacred Valley. We went to Machu Picchu, of course. And we did a, like a lot of um, the Chincheros, which is like the master weavers. That It just was amazing. It was the most authentic place I've ever visited. It was just a dream. And what yeah. were you shooting when you were there? So I was there for the magazine. So I'm doing a large travel feature for the next issue launching in May, which is coming up very close. <laughs> That's why I have a deadline. Um, and just like the food, we did a food tour. I mean, it was just, it was so sensorial and amazing. I'm still like kind of like on cloud nine from that trip. And what inspired you at 15 about Peru? I don't know. I think I had seen like a picture or like a book or something. And actually write, I'm writing about that in the article is that like, I feel like what kind of put something on your bucket list. And that was something I had seen just like the native people, the Incan people, the colors. And I just, it kind of was ingrained in me like a Santorini sort of thing. I've been there thankfully already, but um, never to Peru. And I just, I've been thinking about it ever since. So I'm just so, was so grateful that I got to go. When I was in either first or second grade, I can't really remember, but my teacher went to Egypt and she Amazing. brought back like the, the knickknacks that she picked up along the way and showed us pictures. Yeah. And that's like my, on it's my like list. a memory burn. Yes. Like the pyramids. I want to go, I want to take my family. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm so fascinated by it. Yeah, no, I think it's like such, I love going to different cultures and I feel like I had never really been outside of Europe or Scandinavia. And so that has like literally like lit my travel lust for South America. I definitely will return. So tell us about what is Rose and Ivy? Cause then I have questions about your approach. Okay, so Rose and Ivy is basically a twice a year publication that I launched about three years ago. And it covers fashion, beauty, travel and food in a more elevated way. I have. Like, I don't know how we're going to get into my background, but like, I have always loved magazines, but I felt like there was something missing in the publishing world that spoke to a new generation of readers who, you know, are really curating their lives and they, you know, they have so many different interests, but I just didn't feel like there was one that kind of spoke to my generation of people who travel, they love food, they love fashion, and this whole like sensorial experience that people like to create for themselves. So that was one of the reasons that I started it. Um, 
and it's, you know, and we also have a website and we've grown a lot since the beginning. So we're, our next issue is launching May 31st, coming up very soon. And where can people find the... So we're online. So we're digitally and we're in print. So online, you can access us for free. You can look at all previous back issues. And then we're also at Barnes & Noble. And here in the city, we're at like Casa Magazines, McNally Jackson, and other independent newsstands, which we definitely support because they have an amazing selection there. All right. Yeah. So now let's go back to the proof ship. So okay. this was all work or is this like work plus? Well, I'm okay. So I'm very fortunate that now I can be in a point in my career, what I'm doing, that I love what I do so much that it is not work. I mean, I was there with other journalists, so I was working and I was shooting video and doing a ton of photos and writing and you know asking questions. But I'm so in tune to what I'm doing that. I can't say it's work because I always, like, I don't know how far we're going to go back into my career, but I I always wanted to say that, that I was working and working, but also just loving what I was doing. And that is an example of, of, of that. Like, I am, it's not work. I am just so grat, like, have so much great, like, gratitude that I get to do that. Well, then let's go all the way back. Go back. To, like, go so back. where did your career start? So my original intent was to be a beauty editor. And that's what I, in college, most people don't know what they want to do. And I, I was going to be a beauty editor. I interned here in New York. I lived a summer here and ate like peanut butter and jelly, instant coffee. <laughs> like I lived in a Fordham dorm on the Upper West Side. And it was a struggle, to be honest. But I knew what I wanted to do. And most people in college were like, didn't want it to end because they didn't know, but I'm like, I know what I want to do. I'm going to be a beauty editor. But that was in 2006, and when I graduated, it was like no one was hiring. It was a very difficult time in general. But the market hadn't crashed just yet, but it you know, eventually did. But what were the internships that you had? In so I interned at um, Health Magazine, so nothing like too high fashion. And then another one was Lifetime Magazine. <laughs> I laugh at that now because I think, but it was a great experience. And I, I didn't have like a typical internship where I was doing a bunch of grunt work. Like the editors trusted me. I went to launches. Um, the product closet was like my heaven. I was like swimming in beauty products. I just loved it so much. Um, so I was very fortunate for that, but um, I just, it didn't happen when I graduated. So let's talk about the experience of being a intern, but going on behalf of a major publication yeah. to an event. Yeah. When you came back from the event the next day, yeah. were the editors really interested in what you observed? They were interested. I felt like they gave me a lot of um, just like autonomy to do that. They trusted in me. And I knew that's what I wanted to do because when I would go to these 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 launch events, I felt like it was like Christmas morning. I mean, I, I truly loved it. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Like this is, you know, I was talking to like dermatologists and makeup artists and I was going on photo shoots and that was just what I wanted to do. It's just funny how it ended up playing out. So how did future. it tell us how it played out? Well, it didn't. Um, so I ended <laughs> it didn't. And I ended up working. So I love beauty products, obviously. I think that's what we have mutually in common for sure, one of the things. But I just um, I realized that I didn't really like the marketing aspect of the beauty products. I worked at some companies that just I was never in the right type of role and never in the right environment. And I really struggled. I struggled a lot, to be honest. I was laid off three times. And I just kept kind of like going back into the pot. I was staring at Excel spreadsheets all day. I was, it just, I felt creatively like I was dying inside. And I knew that this wasn't all that was for me in my life. Like I knew that there was more to, that I could do. I knew that I was creative, but I just never had a boss or anyone that believed in me to be 100% honest. And I, I tried to work in a magazine. Like I met with some editor, like I met with an Allure creative director. I met with a Vanity Fair creative director and I like begged them for jobs. I'm like, I will do anything just like, and 
I went to the Condé Nast cafeteria and I had lunch and I thought I was like, I'll do anything. And it just, going from like a marketing salary to going to like an editorial assistant salary is like, it's kind of like makes you lose your breath a little bit because New York is very expensive and you know, I wasn't supported by my family or anything. So it just never happened. And so I knew that that part of me was always alive. And I started a blog like I should go back to is that like, I remember looking at my mom's magazines when I was 10 and just thinking, oh my gosh, like I just, I just loved, I've always loved magazines and I don't know why my dad also like liked print and so I don't know if it's hereditary, I don't know, but I just, I never lost that. But I, so I started a blog when I was at this one company because I thought I was going to die there. You mean this was like your side hustle just to- So I started a blog, yeah. I just, I randomly, it was called Heart of Gold and Luxury. I cringe at the name Wait, of that now. Heart of heart Gold? Heart of Gold and Luxury. Oh, I cringe. <laughs> and how old are you at the time? I was, that was when I was 25. Mm-hmm. So I started shooting with my iPhone um, and I was bad. And I, but I knew that I always liked light and I knew that I studied art history. So I majored in art history. So I've always been more artistically inclined, but I didn't really ever play with a camera before. I. Start. I did photography class in high school, and my photography teacher told me I was bad and that I shouldn't pursue it as a career. Oh, wait, this is the guidance this that is, was given to you? Yeah, this was the guidance that was given to me. And I, you know, high school was a little tough for me, as, as most people, and I believed him. And I feel like people like that should not be teaching. Um, but also, I've learned that that this that is my biggest passion is photography. Like if my when I'm behind my camera, like for example, when I was in Peru, I'm so like happy that I get to capture beauty and I am sad that I listened to him. So I went to Santorini. Wait, can we press pause on this yeah. a second? So this is a college professor. No, high school. High a high school, school teacher high school. who said, don't do this. Yes, he told me to not pursue it as a career. So that sticks. It does right? stick. It's such a sticky thing to say to yeah. a teenager. Um, I remember, I mean, I was in a teenager, I was in my 20s, and a client's boss got mad that I was talking to another boss boss or whatever, yeah. and they said, you can never talk to that person. And, like, I'm, I never questioned it. I'm like, yeah. oh, I guess I'm not allowed to talk, talk to, to, like, super higher people. Yeah. And, like, that's, like, stuck with me and, like, got in my way for almost a decade until that's I was so able to shake it off. Like, this, these are big things that are told to us that we, we internalize and yeah. keep. I agree with that. I've actually always had problems with teachers. And I, from like, from like, I always feel like I can't talk to teachers, like from like yoga teachers. I oh, even to this day, I, I'm very aware of it, but I feel very weird because I had really bad teachers. I hate to say that, but I really, I had a teacher that told me in math I couldn't learn anymore. Oh this my god! This was again god. a high school teacher, <laughs> and I kind of believe them because I'm not a math person. I am much more artistic, and it's just sad that they didn't believe in me either. So it's like I had to find my own way. But this speaks to their lack of talent as teachers, oh, right? But as a kid, I mean, even as adults, we don't, we don't, we believe that these authority figures who are we perceive as experts know what they're talking about. Exactly. Think of how damaging that it's is. Very, it was very damaging, and I suffered with confidence a lot, and it's still something that every day I have to like realize, like I am worthy. I am. I am. I am. I am. I am. I can have things. I can achieve greatness. I just have to believe in myself, and I think that really it took like 10 years to undo that. And I still I still have to like assert myself every day to say, I am, I am worthy of greatness. I'm worthy of achieving something. I am worthy of having this person in my magazine or talking to this person. Because we're all, what I've realized is that we're all the same. Everyone's the same. It's just egos that get in the way. Well, that's you the know? whole point of this podcast, which is to like show how we're human yeah. and we're not robots. Yeah. I actually have a sign that I hang in my home office. It says, um, I am confident, 
competent and capable. Oh, I love that. Because I needed to undo all, you know, yeah. all the junk in my head. Yeah, I had to read like a lot of self-help books. Like, the, like the, my favorite books are like The Motivation Manifesto. I don't know if you've read that one. No. So good. And Daring Greatly, too. Do you ever Google this teacher? Oh, I do, actually. And he's actually living my dream life right now. He, he's retired in the south of France and has like a farm. So I'm kind of jealous of him. So that's what I'm asserting. That's what I'm like, you know, manifesting is like my, 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 my farmhouse in the south of France one day. So he's like a year in Provence, like that yeah, sort exactly. of Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. They moved there permanently. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And to ter- be honest, he wasn't that great of a photographer. He took our family portraits. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm not bad-mouthing anyone. So we, I want to go back because you had these internships in editorial, loved it, couldn't find the job in yep. editorial. You took these jobs in marketing. So yep. I, I should say that like, if someone goes to your LinkedIn, there's no yep. history of your career beyond what I, you're doing right I, now. I deleted. I know it's terrible, but I deleted my past. <laughs> and not to be dramatic, I know, but I just, I was at a point where I was just around such toxic people. And I knew that when I was doing the magazine, when I was, when I was still working in my corporate job, that I would meet people who were just happy and nice and not like condescending and just bullies. And I was like, you know what? I don't want these people to ever look at my profile. And if they, if they reach out, sorry, decline, because I am at a point in my life and an age that I only want to be around people with good energy. Mm-hmm. I love that. So <laughs> you're not going to tell us like where you work, but no. what kind of jobs were these? They were, well, they were here in New York, um, luxury beauty companies and fragrance companies. Um, Oof. Like what kind of what was your task? So I was I was very operational. So that's just one of the reasons that was not that was not my set of skills or talents. I would look at a spreadsheet all day, and I just felt like my soul slowly dying as I went deeper into these spreadsheets. Like it was like you know um, like producing things in China and cost of goods and all of these things. And it's just, I mean, thankfully I can do that and I can think analytically, but I am much more of a creative like vision than looking at numbers. I don't like numbers. Okay, so you had your Heart of Gold and Luxury yes. blog, yes. taking pictures with your iPhone, yep. rem- trying to tell yourself that you actually are capable of doing this. Yeah, so I, I went my first trip to Santorini, was with the bucket list trips with a, a new camera. I had no idea how to use it. And then it was that trip that I was like, wow, oh my gosh, I think I like this. Even though I don't know what I'm doing yet, I really think I like this. And I just started working on it. I was baking, like I was like Julia and Julia. Like that was like kind of my alter ego at the time because that movie came out. I was like baking at night. I was baking on the weekends. I was bringing treats in for people. I was photographing them. They were still so terrible, the photos. Um, But I was just consistently doing that. And that was really kind of making me feel better in this time of like incredible turmoil where I was so anxious every day going to work. I was, I would cry a lot. I mean, it just, it was a really toxic time in my life. Um, And then I was there and I unfortunately had a contract that I could not leave. And that was really hindering to me. And I just, I begged them to let me out of it. But you had a work contract? Yes, I did not compete. and a young, and a at a very oh they have coordinators sign these things okay so it basically ruins your career because if you're in a toxic place which is places you can't go anywhere because no one's gonna wait for you for six months minimum mm-hmm. now they've made people sign a year con might be that person. Right, but um, why would a lower level person have a contract that locks them into? I don't know. That's a good question. I was trying to get a lawyer involved. I just was like, let me out of this, please. Like my health was, I, I, I think that's kind of maybe one of the reasons my health kind of, we'll talk about in a minute, but like it just was a really toxic place, but I just couldn't go anywhere. And finally this VP was like, okay, you can go, you can go. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I was just so happy. Mm-hmm. I just felt like, 
Oh, like a, like a gigantic weight. My team had had already flipped twice since I was there. But this so. wasn't like tied to a visa or something. No, 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 not at all. This was just tied to work. This was tied to a toxic job in a toxic company. So you were begging anyone who would listen to let me out just of my contract so I can just yeah. not there was have a this lot job? Of you couldn't things. just quit? I could quit, but I, you know, I wouldn't get unemployment or, and I couldn't even go, if I quit, I couldn't go to a competitor because they would find out. Mm -hmm. It was a very weird situation. I think it should be illegal. Because I'm not gonna, I'm not vengeful. I'm not gonna like tell trade secrets, you know. But it was just like I had no friends left. All my friends had left. Everyone had left except me. Mm -hmm. And it was like, all right, just please let me go. And they did. And I'm um, thankful for that. What was happening in your health at that time? Well, nothing really. I so then I I, I did find another job at a fragrance company, and I was there for five years. And about a year into that, I. With everything was fine. I think I had some weird things happen to me earlier on, but I just didn't know what they were. So I was at this other job, and again, it was like the same thing. I just kept going to these different pots, and nothing, not, it just didn't feel right ever. And I, I knew that I had so much more to offer, and it just felt like this cannot be it for me. Like, I am too passionate. I, I want to be happy. And I just, that was always in the back of my mind. But then, like, in a few, like, four years ago, I had this really strange thing happen to me where my... My leg, my body was really warm inside, and I'm like, this is so weird. I'm like self-insulating. It's so cold outside. Is my body like above science? Like it was really strange. And then slowly, like my right leg just kind of went numb, and it was really weird. And my husband like tapped me, and he's like, "Do you feel this?" I'm like, "No, I don't feel it at all." And eventually, I went to get a CAT uh, MRI, and they like called me the next day and they're like, you need to go to the ER like right now. I was at work mm -hmm. and I'm like, what? Like it, I've never been sick in my whole life. I was, I was a runner, I did yoga, I eat healthy, I don't smoke, I don't drink. So I was like, wait, what? And they didn't know. So I ended up being in the hospital for like five days and I had people telling me it could be a, um, a tumor on my spine, it could be MS, it could be something else, it could be Lyme disease. And it was a very scary time because I didn't know what was going on. It was very emotional for me because I don't do well being sick or being around sick people. I just cry, like really, I'm very sensitive. And I ended up, you know, leaving the hospital after five days of like total, like steroid fog that I was diagnosed with MS. So that was like a huge, <laughs> now I can talk about it without crying, but it was a huge um, blow. It was like, everything was almost taken away from me. I, my healthy lifestyle, my running, which was, I was like an avid runner. Like I'm telling you, like I would run six times a week and I couldn't do that anymore. And so I kind of like lost my identity a little bit and I got so depressed. I was just like, what did I do wrong? I have, I've done everything by the book, like except for stress. It's the only thing that I have never managed that well. And so I just, I was just floating. And I just, my, my husband, we hadn't even gotten married yet. I'm like in the hospital bed. I'm like, do you still want to marry me? Like, it was just really terrifying to me. And, you know, I think going through something like that just shifted my life in perspective and knowing that I can't continue to live my life this way. I knew, I knew deep down inside. And now I can even say it even more surely is that I was destined for more, but the path to success or the path to your 
your purpose is just so not clear and but you're given signs along the way and you don't listen and you just keep going back to what you think you want and it's not right and it just really opened my eyes to like listen like if i in um, with the thing with ms is that they don't know the progression and the weirdest part about my diagnosis was i worked in a building that had ms research facility so every day i saw these women my age in wheelchairs with walkers i mean it was like a rude awakening every day to see that and knowing that I was going up the floor to the same elevator, but I wasn't stopping at their floor, but I went to a doctor on the east side, <laughs> um, but that I had the same thing as them. And I said that, you know, if I, in 10 years, if I am in a walker or I have a wheelchair or, I mean, God forbid, or a cane or something, I will have at least tried my dream. Mm -hmm. And that it always went back to having a magazine. And I wanted to create beauty and share it with the world. And... Unfortunately, it had to come in this sort of weird package, but I've always wanted to inspire people as well. And I feel like I try to like tell people that they can do anything. I feel like so many people are trip, like stop themselves from achieving what they want to achieve. And I am a hundred percent. I mean, listen, I don't come from money. I don't like I don't. I didn't have anything when I started this magazine, and now I can say that I've had like a big celebrity on the cover. It's just like it blows my mind. I mean, it really does. So um, what is living with MS like? What, what are the symptoms? So, so I'm very fortunate in that I have a milder case of MS. And I do have relapsing remitting. So like, um, um, oh, um, not Sandra, but, um, um, what is her name? Oh my gosh, I'm blinking. Oh, Selma Blair? Yeah, Selma uh -huh. Blair. So her, she has a much more rapid form, but I think she said she had it for a while and she just didn't do anything. So for a while, when I first got diagnosed, I was on a medication that suppressed my immune system completely. So it made me more susceptible to getting sick. I felt like I was hit by a truck every day. Uh -huh. I could barely walk around the block. And I said, I'm, I'm very anti-medicine and I'm very holistic in the way. So I went off of that and then I just- I What was that intended to do? to stop my, my MS from progressing. Oh, uh -huh. So to stop more lesions from forming, because what happens is every time you have a relapse, you get a lesion and that could you know impair your sight, it could impair your, your talking, your speech, it could impair your walking, your balance. Is the lesion in your brain? In your brain, uh -huh. so, my, so my original lesion that caused me to go in the hospital was on my cervical spine. And the remarkable thing is, so I went on like a very, like I said, I'm very healthy, but I drink turmeric every day with like an orange or an apple. And my, and I say, I think, my neurologist doesn't say this because she's hesitant to, but it healed. My spine remyelinated, remyelinated, which is very unheard of. What does that mean? Meaning it healed. Oh, uh-huh. So my cervical so spine gone. is completely gone. And is the lesion like a bruise? It's like a, it's like a white, it's, it looks like in the MRI, it's like a white dot. And the bigger the white dots, the worse that's that your, your lesion uh -huh. is. So I have dots on my brain from previous, I think I had an episode in high school, I just didn't know what it meant, what it was. Um, I have impressions and the, those I think, it's like they can't tell you for certain, like I get very fatigued. Like I can't stand for a long period of time. Um, I get so tired on certain times of the month that I just feel like I'm dying. Like it's very, and I feel like too, I like to talk about like invisible disabilities. That was the, the biggest thing I think is getting diagnosed with like a disability mm -hmm. because I am a very able person. And sometimes like I'm on the subway and I can't stand and I'm, I don't look like I have anything right. wrong with me, but I, I'm like just leaning against a pole. Like, cause I don't want to add, I don't want to feel different, but at the same time, like you have to, I've learned you have to ask for what you need. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge, that's hard. Have you been doing that on the subway? Um, if I feel bad, I do. I did jury duty and I was like, I can't wait in this long line. And I went through and I just felt like, 
I felt embarrassed still about it. I think I just need to get stronger that if I don't feel well, I just need to, I just need to ask for help. Right. I think that's the hardest thing. What's you know, so hard? a woman hard? entrepreneur, like, I don't need help. What's so hard about asking for help when you don't feel well? I don't know. I think it's a pride thing for me. But if you were, like, coming down with the flu on the subway, like, yeah. two years before this, and yeah. you're like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm the faint, would yeah. you have said to somebody, I, I really don't feel good, can I sit down? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know what it is. I think that I've tried to kind of, like, work through that as well as just kind of, like, missing my old life sort mm -hmm. of thing. Um, but now I just have, like, a new normal, and I'm, I'm more okay with that now. If you would have talked to me two years ago, I probably would have started crying. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So what is... Um, what other than the fatigue? Yeah. What is MS management for you like? So it's really about like. Well, I think stress management is the most important thing. Stress is like the worst thing ever. And being an entrepreneur, it's kind of like crazy because it's very stressful, as you know. <laughs> there's a lot of pressure. It's so ambiguous. Don't know what's. There's so many things up in the air. But I think I've you know like med meditating. I do eat healthy. I try to sleep like eight hours no matter what. Um, but just like, I find that that had the biggest thing that I think helped me was just being happy and being on this different road because I was so unhappy for so, so long. I mean, my father passed away right when I graduated from college. It was like this period of just dismalness for me in my life. And I just was not happy. I was struggling. And I think the, the path to joy or happiness has really, they say that being happy, it's all, it's, it's good for your health. And I really do believe that. I'm not happy all the time, but I mean, just finding joy is the most important thing. So how did you, after the diagnosis, you were still working at this other company, yeah. how did you transition yourself to this path of joy? What so I, was, I sat, I was sitting by the water, and I wrote a list of things that I liked. I said I like food, I like fashion, I like beauty, I like flowers, I like gardening, I like travel. And it just still, I went back to a magazine. And so I was like, I'm going to start a digital magazine. I'm going to photograph everything in it. I'm not going to really tell anybody because I'm embarrassed <laughs> because I was designing it. And then I showed my designer who I'd worked with at my old job, and she's like, it's not that bad. <laughs> and so Monica Picka has come on and, like, designed the magazine, and we've, we've won national design awards from it, and she gets my vision. I'm very particular, and we just, I mean, obviously, we sometimes are like, well, this looks better. I'm like, no, this looks better, but we always kind of net out to, to where we're, um, to where we're both happy. But it's, it was kind of interesting how you have to have, Certain things have to happen in life in order for you to go to the next phase. And it, sometimes it's excruciatingly long. And I like to tell people that sometimes you just have to make stops certain places just to meet someone or to learn something until you can move on to like the next phase of your life. And that's how I do feel about that. I think that if I hadn't experienced the, the terribleness of those places that I wouldn't be, I'm very... And I'm so treating everyone with respect. I'm kind to everybody. I don't care if you're an intern or I treat everyone the same. And I just want my company to be the anti of all those other companies right. I worked for. You know, it's so interesting. It's so timely you mentioned that because um, we've been hiring more people at yeah. Base Beauty. And um, we have a lot of conversations around like the PTSD that some of these people who are lovely people that I've known for a long time yeah. are like bringing with them to, the, to our job. Because we yeah. are like a non-chaos agency. Yeah. Like if you are a client that's very chaotic, we're yeah. not the right partner for you. Yeah. Um, we are um, pleasant to work with and we want to work with pleasant people. I find that's very hard in this industry. Well, we have a lot of really great clients, okay. so it's not that hard. Yeah. Um, I think we attract what we want, Yeah. but I spend a lot of time with my team because this is important, like undoing, and I'm not a therapist, obviously. Yeah. Like, I but can, you kind of have to be. Um, <laughs> I'm unraveling, like I know that this is the way it was for you, yeah. but um, 
we're going to help our clients get to a better place yeah. together yeah. so that you can wake up in the morning and not have anxiety. Yeah. Um, it's so important to me. It's yeah. like critical. You shouldn't come to work with anxiety. Like if you're, if you're coming to work with anxiety, there's something that has to change. Yeah, but a lot of people, you know, especially when you're early in your career, like you suck it up, right? Yeah. You do what you need to do. You get the experience out of it. You know you're not going to be there forever. Yeah. But I don't think until you leave that environment yeah. and you have a different like kind of code yeah. that you realize, oh, right, why was what, what was my body shaking? Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, but also, too, I feel like if you're not treated with respect, you're much often more likely to go to somebody else and not treat some people with respect. So I feel like it's kind of a cycle, and I don't tolerate that at all from photographers, a stylist, to anybody. If you have an attitude, I'm not going to work with you yeah. um, because everyone needs to be treated with respect, in my opinion. Well, we don't work with prima donnas, which, and I've, it's been that way for like since I started business twelve years ago. Um, and you know, as these like conversations around uh, Me Too and like you know abuse on sets or they're coming yeah. to light, I'm like, you know what? I'm so grateful that I haven't been around a lot of that because yeah, I've been working for myself for so long. Yeah, I know. Um, so my team has had the chance to set the tone for yeah. everything that we've done for the past more than a decade, and um, you know, I. I didn't have as much visibility into the cruel, yeah. the cruelness of the industry, and I'm just so proud that like we're we're, we're able I wish to I would show come that to you in my <laughs> earlier career. My gosh, where were you? You know, we. You know, I, I think it just proves like you can create great work yeah. and really move the needle for brands without being an asshole. Yeah. Um, without being a jerk. Yeah. Without being an egomaniac. Yeah. Um, without robbing people blind, yeah. like th it can be done. I know, I, I agree with that. And I think in New York too, the mentality is like faster, like, you know, harder, like, and I've worked across PR people from like fashion, beauty, travel, food. I work across all, and it's very interesting to kind of see the difference of personalities. And I just, I don't think that there's a place for that. I think that it's, it's just, it's just too tiring to, to, to treat people like that, to be a hostile environment. I, I'm just so thankful that I'm not in those environments anymore. I definitely had PTSD. So what is the day-to-day -day like for you now, running your own business? So, yeah, so it's very busy. I mean, I'm doing something different every day. I think that the variety, I think in my old jobs, I worked with the same four people every day, and I, I like meeting people. I like talking to people, and so I'm doing that all day, um, whether it be, like, planning for shoots, just, like, just the, like, dreaming about what can happen, thinking, conceptualizing, meeting photographers. Um, talking to PR people like all day, trying to find, because I'm at the point now in the magazine where we're getting, you know, approached a lot more. So when I first started, I got no all of the time and no one said yes to me except a few people. And those people are very dear to me because now I give them my heart because they believed in me when no one else did. So now I'm at the point where I'm getting pitched a lot of people and I'm just trying to kind of figure out what's the best. I don't want to become like too celebrity, but I want to be like really a place of inspiration. So people who have great stories or who believe in the greater good who are doing something bigger than themselves who can inspire. But it's just, I don't know, I really feel like even though it is hard having, I know you have a lot of people on here who are more established and I feel like I'm more of like the beginning stage of the entrepreneurship, even though I've been doing this for a while, because I see like a year and a half was just like groundwork. Like, like I'm telling you, everyone told me no. And so with the Mandy Moore issue, that kind of put us in a different 
bucket. And I'm like still so grateful however that happened in the universe because it just came to me. It's so beautiful. Thank you. And I'm obsessed with Mandy Moore. Thank so you. I love you. Mandy. She was so lovely. And I, I said, I, I'm big about manifesting and I'm, I'm big about like kind of putting out there what you want. And I put out there that I wanted to do like photo shoots and things like that a long time ago when I was interning. And it didn't happen for like many years after, but I had said that I wanted, when I first started Rose and Ivy, that I wanted, I would dreamed up Mandy Moore in my cover. I don't know why, man. Like I did, always liked her. I felt she was very personable and real. And one day, last, last April actually, her rep emailed me randomly and pitched her for the cover. And I was like, hmm, let me think about that. <laughs> um, I had to be like, so I couldn't sleep for like two days after that just because I felt like that was when things were changing. And all the hard work, the perseverance, the wanting to give up sometimes when it's just so hard was beginning to pay off. Hard work really does create great, whatever greatness that you want. Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought like in the beginning of my journey and even when I work for other people, I just thought like some people have it and some people don't. Yeah. I didn't know you could create it for yourself. Yeah. But I think that it's very, I think we live in a world where it's fast and people have this idea of quick success. Mm. And I, it's from the point where I have to really tune out a lot of people because people ask me questions that are so out of bounds that I'm just like, wow, how do you, how do you have the strength to ask me such questions? Because, What's an out of bounds question? Like, asking me about my revenue and things like that. And I'm just like, people who it's really none of their business. And I'm just like, okay. You're, it's like Brene Brown, like if you're not in the arena, like it's like the cheap seats in the back sort of thing. I just, I have like a very hard time allowing those people in my orbit anymore. And I'm kind of like an all or nothing person. So I've been struggling with that recently because it takes a long time to establish yourself with a, like a credibility of so many different people. Like it's not easy. and. There were times I do want to give up, and I'm like, can I keep doing this? Like, I had a really tough March, actually, and I was really questioning everything. And now I'm like, April's so much better. <laughs> it's just the roller coaster. Yes, it yeah. is a roller coaster. So um, I think a lot of our listeners, well, many of them are entrepreneurs, yeah. do product. Yeah. So they're going to want to know, like, how can they get featured in your content? Yeah. What, what, would, what do you look for? So I really look for, so I really wanted, with Rose and Ivy, I wanted to be the voice between, like, mainstream and niche media because I felt like there was something missing in between where I feel like the mainstream media has just so many of the same things and it's the same people, same brands, same dresses, and it's, to me, it's just kind of a little boring, where niche has more of a sort of like, I don't really understand this. It's kind of arty. So I wanted to be in between where we create stories around with brands and things like that. But about 60% of brands, the mainstream, maybe they don't know just yet. So mm -hmm. I love finding new beauty brands, new fashion designers, travel spots. I mean, that's just my favorite. But then also about 40% of brands that people do know. So there's an air of familiarity mm -hmm. because I don't want it to be polarizing. I just want it to be like, oh, this is new. Oh, this is the new product from them or just something kind of like flowing like that. Okay. So, you know, people can email me. Um, what is your email? Allison at rosenivyjournal.com. Okay. And yeah. they will yeah, now that please. you've said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We look for like brands and we're really looking at branded content and really, cause we're more content creators. And I feel like what the conversation I have with you is that so many brands now, they might look at, when I say print, people get either scared or seduced. It's the weirdest oh, thing. Uh -huh. <laughs> the scared people are scared. The seduced people only want print. Some celebrities only want print. Some brands only want print. Some destinations only want print. Then others are scared to death of it. So we have a digital and the print is more of a boutique. We're going to keep our print a little smaller than, than most magazines for right now, at least. But, um, we're really creating content and we're not like a traditional magazine and we have influential people on our covers. So it's kind of like 
looking, approaching us in a different way. And I think that brands need to approach us in that different way because we aren't like a normal magazine. Right. Yeah, I almost see you as like a content creator influencer, right? Yeah. Like you're sort of the, an influencer who creates a printed publication that yeah. has the feel of a magazine, but in a new way. Yeah. Right. So you really With are celebrity endorsement sort of things to throughout. So yeah. brands. Yeah. I think if you're a brand that has a distinctive point of view that fits the aesthetic of your publication, yeah. then they should look at you like an influencer or partner, yes. content creation partner. Yes, thank you. Kind of makes the most sense yeah. because you are so different. Yeah, and we really are all about like creating feel, like a feeling. Rose and Ivy, I feel like, has a really strong brand identity, and people say, "Oh, that's so R and I," and I'm like, "That's so amazing that it has like, a brand identity oh, how because special. yeah, because it's really. I mean, it's been such a labor of love from the beginning. So it's like, wow. You know, because I'm very, I am very, I do have a very strong vision, and um, it can change. You know, it has changed and evolved from the beginning. Sometimes I look back and I, I do cringe, but now I feel like we're on a path of like working with such great people and and featuring brands and such that we're like on we're on our way basically. Well, you know, it's your passion and obsession with print that makes you a different type of content creator than like. A typical influencer, right? So yeah. a regular influencer would not have any experience with print or yeah. the opportunity to understand like the mechanics of creating a print publication. Yes. But because you were always obsessed with it, like it's natural there, which is why yeah. you're different. I'm very passionate about it, and I could talk about it. For, people will say, "Why print? Why are you doing print? 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 Dead?" I could talk to them probably for an hour and just like talk their ear off, but I don't do that. But there is a space for print, and I do believe print's not going anywhere. It's just going to be after all the follow, people selling whatever. Like there will be print magazines left, but I do believe there'll be more niche. Like the kinfolks, the serials, the darlings, the aways, the, um, well not away, a far magazine. Um, there's so many different amazing publications out there. Yeah. Well, I think it's like the rest of our marketing landscape. It's it's more niche. It's more tailored. Yeah. But there's means there's a lot of room for a lot of creative people. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. We're so grateful (laughs) for you sharing your story. Thank you. I hope to inspire people. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Allison. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.